Well, good morning. And happy Father's Day to all of our dads this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah. Boy, man, maybe we need to go home, dads. That was pretty weak, man. I know we all woke up to a huge breakfast. Amen. And a parade in the front yard. To hallelujahs to the heavens. Well, guys, I guess we can dream. Amen. We can dream. Well, we can dream. Well, happy, seriously, happy Father's Day, everybody. So it's good to be here with you. I am uh, so, so blessed and privileged to, to be a dad. I just never dreamed it would happen. Uh, and then it happened, and it happened once, and it happens twice, and it happened three times, and then four times. So I am four times over a dad. And Angie, thank you so much for your love and support through the years. Uh, today we will be in Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38. Now, when you look at that, you're going to get kind of sick inside probably, okay? Because what is that? Yeah. <laughs> the, gene- the Lucan genealogy is in God's sovereignty is where your message today, fathers, landed. And do not worry, I'm not going to expound the background of every one of those individuals in that genealogy today. Amen? We'll be here for a week. But that is where we will be. So just hold your, hold your position there. So as most of you know from the message last year, I lost my dad in 2008, uh, right after Micah was born, and uh, not a day goes by, and I, and I mean that, not a day goes by that I don't think about him and miss him. My dad and mom adopted me at birth, so Father's Day has always been a special day for me. I had a very interesting relationship with my dad, and he became very sick the last several years of his life, uh, to the point that he was put in a nursing home until his death on December the 22nd, 2008. So he's been gone a while. It, and as I've said, it's always interesting to me how God times the way that, that we preach and study God's word here because for Mother's Day, do you remember what passage it was on Mother's Day? It was the birth of Christ. And so now we have the genealogy on Father's Day. Very, very interesting in the council of heaven, God ordained that would be today. So first question, what is a genealogy? Well, a genealogy is an account of the descent of a person or a family or a group from an ancestor or older forms, okay? So, so maybe you've heard of Ancestry.com. Who's heard of Ancestry.com? Who's heard of 23andMe? Who's heard of that one? Okay, yeah. So these are private companies that have offered DNA tracking of descendants for a small fee. These companies are able to stitch together a rather wide array of people that you are related to by blood, and they claim that it's somewhere between 95 and 99% accurate, although those numbers are disputed by by some. So before things like Ancestry.com were available, however, the only way that you knew who you were related to was by a faithful family member that kept up with your family tree. So if you are that person this morning, would you raise your hand if you keep up with your family tree? Oh, come on. Okay, y'all need, all need to go out and get an Ancestry.com done, obviously, this next week. I figured it'd be a lot more than that. So anyone here today that has done that, you know the painstaking task that it is to keep up with your genealogy. In my family, believe it or not, it was my dad. Uh, It was my dad on his side, and on my mother's side, it was my grandmother. They both kept up with their genealogies. I mean, I can remember as a child that they made absolutely certain that I knew who my ancestors were, even though I was what? Adopted. 
To them, it was important because to them, I was their child. It didn't matter. I mean, I, it didn't matter if, my, if they weren't my blood relatives. They still knew that these were my legal relatives, and so they wanted me to know them. So it was wonderful. I mean, we went to marriages. We went to funerals regularly to meet them and to know them, and they would spend hours explaining to me who my aunts and uncles were, my cousins, and what it meant to be, and this has always been confusing to me, and I hope I've got some camaraderie in here on this issue, the paternal side and the maternal side. I mean, I, it took me forever to get that straight. Because I, and, I, and I still don't know exactly. I, I don't know how, I can't do it beyond like immediate family. Angie always has to correct me on this. So my paternal grandmother was my grandmother on my dad's side. We called her Meemaw Hazard. My paternal grandfather died when my dad was nine, so I never met him. My maternal grandmother was on my mom's side, right? That's right. And we called her Mimi, and my grandfather we called Papaw, and he lived to be 68, so we got to know them real well because we spent just about every weekend with them and took family vacations regularly with them, and all the time, Dad and Mimi would teach us about our relatives because it was very important to them and it's very important to us. Would you agree that family descent is important? It is important. A couple of weeks ago, I had to travel all the way back to Greenville, Mississippi to bury Angie's great aunt. Is that right? It was your great aunt. Okay. Doll Boykin. We had gotten to know them since we married, and she and her husband, get, it, get this now, this is his name, his nickname, Showboat. He played football for Ole Miss, right? And made like 20 touchdowns in a quarter or something like that. So he's been called Showboat for his whole life. So Showboat and Aunt Dahl had prearranged to have me oversee their funerals. Well, when I went back to Greenville and buried Dahl by myself, that they were, they were in, at camp, I was not too far, not too far, I didn't have to walk but about 50 yards, and all my family graves were right there in the city cemetery. 50 yards. Hillman Logan, Margie Logan, Logan is named after, after the Logans, Raymond Hazard, Barbara Hazard, and then there's one plot left. One plot, five plots. Who knows who's gonna get that plot, I don't know. It's also very interesting that one of the primary things that is done when we have funerals is develop an obituary to give a brief testimony of the life of the individual. And in that obituary is something called a what? a survivor list. Who's heard of the survivor list? Right, the survivor list. And that survivor list consists of all those still alive that are related to the deceased by marriage or genealogical descent. Well, a genealogy is the opposite. It's a list of all those who lived before the individual died. So as you can imagine, I don't get back to Greenville too often now. So when I do, when I do, I really tried to go visit the cemetery. And when I go there, I always remember the joke my dad used to tell me when I was a child. Y'all probably know what the joke is. He would say, son, do you know what that place is over there with all those headstones? And I would say, not really, dad. And he would say, that's the cemetery and people are just dying to get in there, right? Just dying to get in there. So I'm standing there by myself looking down at my family's graves. And it hit me standing right there by myself, no wife to call for me that needn't help with the kids, no child to distract me, just me and the gentle breeze and the shade 
and four headstones. And it hit me. All things considered equal in the normal flow of the process of life, I would be next. I would be next, the next one to die. Then I remember these words from the one that bled and died for us. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And from there, my mind went to Jesus. And that's where we will go now. Join me in Luke 3, 23 through 28. Now, it's going to be a lot helpful for you, and you'll get a lot more comic relief if you'll open your Bible and follow, follow along and watch me stumble through all these names, okay? Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, parentheses, as was supposed of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Methat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Islai, the son of Nagai, the son of Maoth, the son of Mattathias, the son of Siman, the son of Joseph, the son of, the first time I read that, you know what I almost said? Yoda. I, I really believe the Star Wars guys were in this genealogy. <laughs> All you got to do is change it to a Y. You got him. Have you ever seen that name anywhere else? I'm telling you, they were in the genealogy. Joda, the son of Joanon, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kassam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, now we're getting into some names we recognize, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mephat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, ah, we're really getting into familiar area now, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melea, the son of Mena, the son of Mathatha, Mathatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David. Okay, now we're really getting comfortable here. The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Amenadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arnai, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Sham, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, ah, now we're, now we're getting more familiar again, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, say it with me, the son of God, the son of God. Hold your applause till later. Okay, I just read through that whole genealogy for the first time publicly in my life. And just so you know, uh, Angie's great aunt doll, her survivor list was about equal to his genealogy. It was unbelievable. It took me like seven minutes to read the whole thing. 
So now, just, just some thoughts, okay? We obviously do not have time today to go into the theological significance of every name that is listed in this genealogy. We, we, we just, and, and even the, the, even the, the, the dozen scholars uh, that I looked at and read and studied for this day did not do that either. They pointed me to references that you can go do that. So what I'm going to do is give you some overarching things, some, some comparisons to the, to the genealogy in Matthew, and then at the end of it, we're gonna finish with some, with some Pauline theology. Does that sound good to y'all? Guys, this is your day, amen? All right, whoever dreamed the genealogy on Father's Day, amen? Amen. Verse 23, how old was Jesus when he started his ministry? And how do we know the answer to that question? What is the answer to that question? How do we know that? Verse 23 tells us, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son as was supposed of Joseph, the son of Heli. That, those terms right there, is what most scholars have used as an indicator to mean that this is actually Mary, the genealogy of Mary, not the genealogy of Joseph. The genealogy of Joseph is in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the genealogy of Mary. So theologically speaking, the age of 30 is consistent with other significant historical figures in Israel as many Old Testament offices could be held at that age, just to give you a, just a few. Genesis 41, 46 is Joseph. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 2 Samuel 5, 4, probably the most significant of all of these because we know that Jesus fulfilled what? The Davidic covenant. David, 2 Samuel 5, 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned for 40 years. Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, take a census of the sons of Koath from among the sons of Levi by their clans and their father's houses from 30 years old up to 50, all who can come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. So here we have testimony from the Old Testament. Joseph, David, and the Levites of Israel all came into their offices at age 30. Therefore, that is consistent and most likely the truth. Amen? Amen. Some interesting observations about this genealogy. No other gospel, canonical, apocryphal, or Gnostic. The only one we really care about is canonical. That means canon in the canon of God, in the canon of God. But there are other extra biblical sources that people try to go to to attack the Bible with. That's why this scholar includes this. But there's no other gospel, no other reference that includes a genealogy of Jesus between the baptism and the temptation as does the third gospel. Also, most unusual, all known genealogies trace back to a human figure, but Luke's genealogy traces back to who? God. Very, very, very significant. Question, why did Luke put this genealogy here in chapter 3? Why did he not put it at the beginning as Matthew did? As mentioned in Luke, the genealogy is placed three chapters in after Christ's baptism by John the Baptist and before his temptation in the wilderness. Why? Many believe that this was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry as an adult. So an authenticating list of descendants is provided to prove who he is. 
There is also Old Testament precedent for placing the genealogy in this fashion as Moses' genealogy was listed similarly in Exodus chapter 6, verses 14 through 25. One final statement about this. By extending the genealogy in this way, Luke makes his most important point in this section. Adam, as the son of God, comes after the baptismal address of Jesus as the son of God and before the tempter's beguiling suggestions to Jesus as the son of God. Very interesting observation. Paul would, would use this comparison of the two in Romans 5, 12 through 14. Paul says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who is who? Adam. And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, meaning the law of Moses. Verse 14, yet death reigned, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come, who is who? Jesus. It doesn't get much deeper theologically than this. All right, let's look at the differences in Matthew's and Luke's genealogies. This is very interesting. These are the first thing you need to understand about these genealogies, Matthew and Luke. These are different genealogies. And it is beyond our ability in the 21st century to harmonize the differences in them. Our inability to harmonize them doesn't mean they are wrong and not true. It just means that we can't figure it out, like we can a lot of things about the Scripture in some places. Throughout church history, it has always been believed that Matthew's genealogy shows Joseph's lineage and Luke's shows Mary's through Heli, her father. So here are some differences. Matthew recorded Christ's genealogy to show that he had a legitimate right by birth to occupy the Davidic throne, king, monarchy. Luke recorded his genealogy to show he was the son of God and also what? Human, the son of God and also human. Matthew starts with Abraham and ends with who? Jesus. Luke's begins with Jesus and works backward to who? Adam and God. Matthew emphasizes Christ's Jewish descent. Luke's emphasizes his general human descent. Matthew grouped his names in three groups of 14. Wednesday night crowd, we just did this a few weeks ago. Three groups of 14. Abraham to David, David to Babylon, and then beyond Babylon. Luke simply lists 77 ancestors, 78 if you add God to that list. You can group Luke's genealogy into 11 groups of seven, but the text doesn't do that. It's just, it's just what you can observe. Here's another couple things. Matthew included how many women in his genealogy? Four women. Matthew included four women in his genealogy. How many women are in Luke's? Zero. Matthew presents a descending father-to-son genealogy. Luke presents an ascending son-to-father genealogy. So Luke's genealogy contains 78 names, including God. The names from Abraham to Adam repeat the genealogies of Adam to Noah in Genesis 5, 1 through 32, and Shem and Terah's descendants in 11, 10 through 36 in reverse order. 
The names from David to Abraham parallel closely the same names in Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 through 6, again in reverse order. And the list of names from Joseph to David is unique, however, for only two names match the corresponding names in Matthew 1, 6 through 16. Moreover, between Joseph and David, Matthew lists 24 generations in Luke 40. So are you totally lost as I am? Yeah. It's, 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 it's comparing these genealogies, it's, it's, it's impossible to harmonize them. Okay, the purpose is not to harmonize them, the purpose is to read them and what? Believe them, that's the purpose. So Luke's genealogy starts and finishes with two beginnings, Jesus as the beginning and God as the beginning. So the ultimate meaning of the combined genealogies the ultimate meaning of the combined genealogies. Number one, Jesus possesses the proper roots to be the promised agent of God. Number two, he is in David's line pointing to a regal or a kingly figure. Number three, he is Abraham's seed pointing to the Abrahamic promise. Number four, he is Adam's seed, relating him to all humanity. And finally, he is the son of God. All of that is combined in those two genealogies. So Luke's genealogy points to his universal perspective. Jesus is not just some isolated minister to Israel. He does not merely minister to a tiny nation subjected people seeking political deliverance from a dominating Rome. Rather, he is the culmination of a line of descendants stretching back through the great men of promise like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. The lineage confirms his position and suggests his ministry's comprehensive character. In him, the entire hope of the Old Testament is inseparably and eternally bound. In him, the fate of all divinely created humans is bound together. So, y'all are gonna be so happy with me, we're actually gonna finish early. I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas right now, I got one more point and then we're done. I gotta come up with something else, man. I should have had more stuff on, on these notes. Inheritance is the last thing that I wanna tell you about. Who here, um, who here has ever inherited anything? Raise your hand if you've inherited something, okay? Most everybody's inherited something. Well, if you are not expressly written, written into the will, okay? You know what I mean? Like if somebody dies without a will, if they don't have a will, if somebody dies and you're not written into that will, how does the state determine who gets what? Relatives, exactly. They look to lineage, those that are related by blood. Well, in this case, we have both scenarios brought together in Christ. We have the spiritual and we have the genealogical. And in this, found only in Christ, only in Christ, no one else. Both can be saved and a part of God's kingdom, the Jew and the Gentile. Those that are Jewish like Christ can be saved and those that are not can be saved. And that is the ultimate wonderful truth that we have in Jesus. Now finally, fathers, let me tell you this. Go to Ephesians chapter one. 
Here's your final scripture for, you, for the day. And I'm going to tell you what. I, Clayton's words rang true to me when he was doing the baby dedication this morning. And being a man in this culture, is it difficult or what? It is difficult. The culture doesn't want us to be men. The culture wants us to be women. You do realize that, guys. And I know that's offensive, but I'm just going to tell you the way it is. The culture does not want us to be men. The culture wants us to be women. That's what the culture wants us to be. But God wants us to be what? Men. He wants us to be men. He wants us to, and he wants us to be, most importantly, he wants us to be biblical men, okay? Biblical men. Not, not this rigorous, mean, chauvinistic male and not this passive, effeminate type of male, but what kind of male? Godly, biblical. And who's our example? Jesus, to be like him. Now let me give you an admonition. I know for a fact, every man in this room has failed in fatherhood probably multiple times. Can you amen that? Okay. Do you stop there? No. What do you do? And I don't care how old you are. I don't care what shape your health is in. I don't care how uneducated or educated you are. Your job as a daddy ain't done until you are in that last plot in Greenville, Mississippi. I'm serious as a heart attack. You don't quit. I don't care what life has thrown at you, brothers. I don't care what life, life has thrown me, some of the, and a lot of it was my own making, but life has thrown me trial after trial after test, after persecution, after trial, I get knocked down. But through God's grace and through some people in the church that love me and wanted to, wanted to see us continue on, they have lifted me up and continue to propel me forward. So my final word to you today is don't give up stand firm on the word of god we're not to be mean we're not to be nasty we're not to be ugly amen but we're called to lead and we're called to be men our sons need to see godly men they need to see godly men. They need to see men that beat everybody up out of the bed on Sunday morning. They need to see men that, that Saturday night before that are, that are coaching everybody to get out their clothes and get ready because we're going to worship Jesus tomorrow morning. Amen? Our sons need that. Our daughters need to see godly men, humble, loving, serving godly men. Not out of their mind, nutballs, okay? I, I, I trend toward that a little bit every now and then. You know what I mean? Just every now and then. But our daughters, you know why? You know why? Because our daughters most likely, if they get married, you know what they're going to marry? They're going to marry us. They're going to marry somebody just like us. So if you want them to marry somebody that's abusive and ugly and mean be abusive and ugly and mean and that's what they'll marry if you want them to marry somebody godly and loving be to them godly and loving and they will seek out what they have seen patterned before them 
That's what we need. Man, that's what we need. You need to stay in this book. Because that grave is coming, amen? That grave is coming. It's coming. I went to the cemetery and I walked over there and, 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 I, and I looked and it was just like, and I, I meant to go, we had to go bury uh, Angie's other, her step-grandfather, we had to go bury him a couple months before. It, it's like my whole, the whole side of my family all died before we moved here and now that we've moved here, all of her, all of her side are going. I mean, it's coming, it's coming, and you can't quit, and you can't get down, and I don't care how hard it is, but you've got to keep moving, and you've got to keep pushing, and you've got to keep praying, and you've got to keep reading, and you've got to stay in church. Don't chase all this worldly nonsense that gets in the way of your heart and God. Stay in Christ. Love him. Study the Bible. Coming to church is not for sissies, Amen. I've heard that all my life. Going to church is for sissies. Going to church ain't for sissies. Going to church is for men that know one day they're going to be made out to be a sissy if they don't know, the, don't know God is what's going to happen. So inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, final verses. Beginning in 1, verse 3. This is about your inheritance, guys. I'm going to tell you what I... I I beat myself half to death from my early 20s until about my, mid, my, my late teens until my early 20s trying to get rich. Anybody do that? Just beat yourself half to death, just, just jumping from job to job to job to job to job, just, just trying to find that, make more money, make more money, make more money, make more money, make more money. And it just about killed me. Then God saved me. And then I received an inheritance that was unlike anything I ever dreamed. Then I got married and I started having kids. And, and this, this change inside of me happened as I realized that we don't need to focus, I mean, I mean, providing for our family is important. Don't get me wrong. We gotta put a roof over their head. We gotta put food on their table. All these, these covenant promises that we made here, all that, we have got to fulfill that and we've got to do that. But the absolute most important thing that we have got to leave our children is a spiritual inheritance. because we are all headed to the grave. And when that grave comes knocking, nothing else matters like that. Oh, it's nice if you can leave your, your kids a little money and a car and a house and all that kind of stuff unless it gets tied up in a state for five years, you know? I mean, all that's nice. But the thing that really matters is a spiritual inheritance from Christ, that's what, that's what Paul writes about right here in Ephesians. He says, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, is, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, son of Adam, son of God, son of Adam, son of God, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You know, I just thought of one more. Go to First Peter. Or y'all help me. It may be Second Peter. I can't remember. Confession time from the pulpit, Amen. Where is it, uh, Colton, where he talks about the... I'm going to drag you into this too. That's it. Thank you. First Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. Who was that? Was that? That was you. Thank you, Ryan. Put you on the pastor's theological council later, later this month. Final passage, and then we're going to pray. And then we have a gift to give the dads as soon as we're closed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To a what? Say it louder. To a what? Inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is what? The salvation of your souls. Let me finish today by telling you this, guys. Fathers out there, soon to be fathers. <clears throat> you don't have a bigger friend or a bigger advocate or a bigger partner in your walk in life than the man that's standing up here behind this pulpit today. I gotta tell you the truth, and I'll never back off that, and I don't really care if you like me or not, but I'm your advocate and I love you, and I will walk through the fire with you. If you are wanting to live your life and leave your family with an inheritance in the gospel and you are fighting to make that happen, you have found an army of men right here at Parkway Baptist Church that will help you do that, amen? An army, an army. If you want to live your life for God 
and you want to see incredible things happen in your life for your family, you don't need to go anywhere else. You have found a home that will march with you and help you do it. And I mean that. You can test me on that anytime you want to. We are here for you. We love you. And we want to see your life be fruitful, spiritually fruitful in Christ. So let's have a great Father's Day today. Amen? Let's pray. All right. Lord, thank you so much for this time we've had today of reading scripture and celebration and baby dedication and just just a, a wonderful day to be reminded of your goodness, your mercy, your power, your resurrection, the calling on our lives as men to lead our families, to be biblical men, to be servant leaders in our homes, to sacrifice of ourselves for your kingdom and our families. Father, I pray that today maybe, maybe there would begin an awakening among our men where we would, we would begin to see things differently and to apply the word of God to our lives more fully and see wonderful things happen. Begin to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Begin to, to, to lead our children, step up and serve and love sacrificially. There's an entire generation of children out there that are craving craving to follow godly men godly men and I pray that today we have a room full a sanctuary full of men that want to follow you but first to follow you they must know you and so Lord we open up this time of invitation for just a few moments that if anyone does not know you that has not had their sins forgiven by your merciful cleansing blood that you poured out on Calvary's cross. I pray that they would come, Lord, come. Pray in their seat to receive you or come forward to the altar and pray to know that you came out of that grave three days later and that our sins are forever forgiven and we have power and sealed with the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand for a time of response? Sing together, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion. Pardon for sin.
may be seated for a moment. I don't think any mind can comprehend how glorious it'll be for the father who leaves godliness in his wake. And just let that sink in. For all the godly dads who apply themselves to God's word and seek Christ with all of his heart, he will leave a wake of righteousness. And I love that. And let me just say, let me iterate this, that no man can accomplish that well without his wife by his side. Amen? We need both working in tandem together. So guys, thank you so much for being the godly fathers that you are. And let me just say this too, just a note of a hint of pain from our society and our culture that happens. If you hadn't had the chance to be a a father like that yet, come and join with us. There's grace at the table of Christ. There's grace at the feet of Christ. Your time is now. And these men who who have stood up here, we will love you. We will not condemn you. We will not judge you, but we will walk with you. Okay? So I just want to give you that word today as well. What a joy it's been to walk through this service today. And I just want to give you, I hate to even pull out any announcements because it's been such a great service. But there are a few things that are important just to mention real quickly. Um, If your child was not able to be a part of Promotion Sunday this Sunday, that happened today, just know that when you bring your child or your grandchild next Sunday, they will need to be in their promoted class, okay? So you can ask our wonderful preschool teachers about that. You can ask Clayton about that. He would be able to help you with that as well to get your children where they need to go if you did miss out on that. Angela will be able to help out. I just saw her face over there. She could help you out as well, okay? Um, We do have a very brief, a very short business meeting uh, right after this day, a special called business meeting. Um, So I encourage you, if you're a member of the church, please stay for just a few moments. Uh, We're going to do some business. Um, It's joyful business. It's a good thing. We're talking about building stuff and and the fact that God has blessed us. Uh, He has been a very good father to us, and so we have uh, great news in that regard for in addition to our building. So please stay. Uh, If you're a member, you are welcome to stay. If you are a visitor, if you're a guest, just please know that you won't be able to vote on anything. But certainly, if you want to see how business happens at Parkway, stay. We'd love to have you be a part and to see how things uh, work in that order. Last thing, um, uh, senior adults, we have two events, uh, two events coming up. One is uh, next Sunday, June 27th. We are taking a group at 3 p.m. I think most have signed up already. I just wanted to remind you uh, of that. If you haven't made any payments on that yet, please uh, get those in for us. Uh, That is the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn at Springhouse. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going, so I'm going to be hanging with the seniors. It's going to be great. Okay, so uh, please uh, make sure you remember that. Put it on your calendar if you haven't already. Put put not just one reminder, but two in there so you don't forget, all right? I'd hate for you to, like, you know, get uh, done with, Sunday lunch and then be like, oh, I totally forgot in your food coma. So don't do that. Um, And then uh, lastly, we also have a senior adult event 
Uh, we are going to be, really, we're gauging interest at this point. Uh, we'd like to go to the Collingsworth Family Worship uh, Concert. Okay, it's going to be a lot of fun, and that's going to be July 22nd. All right, so it's going to be a great time of worship, I've been told, and I can't wait to see it myself. So if you are interested in going, that's July 22nd, please come talk to me. You can find Viola or you can find Rhonda, and we'd be happy to talk to you about what all that is and what all is uh, involved with that. Uh, the tickets are 18 a person, um, and we will have a sign-up sheet next Sunday for you guys, okay? Um, and then, so with all that out of the way, praise the Lord, announcements are done. Um, we have, as you know, as we've already honored, some special guests in the room, some, some special men. So all of my fathers, if you would stand up, please. want to just honor you right now. We have a special gift. Yep. Ring it out. You men have been in the trenches. You have smelled the smelly diapers at one point in your life. Not just the ladies, the men too, right? You guys have been just the, the go-getters. You've hopped in your van or your sedan many times to run to the grocery store on that emergency uh, grocery visit. You guys are tried and true soldiers of Christ and fathers, and I'm so thankful for you guys, as we've already said. So we've got just a little bit of a gift for you. So this makes sense. It is a little keychain screwdriver for you that has just a reminder to stay rooted in Christ, okay? It's got some bits inside of it, so don't miss that, okay? You can actually exchange the bits. This is fancy. We're getting fancy, guys, at Parkway. So we don't need to turn into Fancy Pants Parkway. We don't want that. So, But this is fancy, okay? So what I want to do, I want to encourage all of the kiddos to hop up, uh, fathers, you stay where you're at. Kids, hop up, come grab one and deliver as many as you want and deliver it to the fathers in their house. All right? Thank you, fathers. Y'all are awesome. That's so cool. You want one, don't you? This thing's heavier than it looks. Just to tell everybody, as you get your gifts, please be seated, gentlemen. Yeah, I forgot to say that. Give some away. Got a few more over there. Got some in the very back over here. It's working. We're almost there. Yep. Somebody already got to him. Oh, well. That's all right. Okay. All right. Do all the dads have a gift? All the papas all the in the house have a, have a gift. Here comes Vance Pruitt with a whole load coming back to the basket. Vance Pruitt, come on right. down. Okay. Thank you, Grayson. Man, Grayson got his hair cut off. My goodness. All right, wonderful. Thank you, Colton, so yeah. much, brother. Now, Brina, please come stand with us up here. Now, y'all, this lady got saved. Yes, indeed. She, uh, she has been in our midst for a couple months. About a month and a half. About a month and a half. I was close. About a month and a half. We met last Wednesday night. Uh, Angie and I talked to her for a good hour probably. And I mean the conviction of the Holy Spirit, her desire to read the Word of God, 
it was just a wonderful meeting, and she is convinced that she is born again, that, that God is doing work in her heart. So, yes. And she wants to join the church. Now, we'll, we'll put her through Discover Parkway when we get the, when we get the next one going, which will probably pretty soon, because we've got like 10 people uh, wanting to, like talking to us right now, so we'll probably do one of those soon, and we'll put her through that for sure, right? Okay, so would you all rejoice in, in welcoming her to Parkway Baptist by standing up and say amen. All right. Welcome, Brina. That is a towel from, from the Gospel of John when Jesus took the towel, put it around his waist, and washed the feet. That means you are now to wash our feet as we wash yours and walk in accountability and love together. So, wonderful. Would somebody like to walk to the back? or With Brina? Here comes Dodie. Here she comes. Multiple. We can have multiple. Come on. Y'all yeah, too. please. Yeah. Please. All right, they will walk you back to the back. And please let Brina know how much you love her and care about her when you leave today. And Colton, I guess it's business meeting time. I'm just going to say a quick prayer, um, and then we will just shift real quickly to business meeting matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for this day. We thank you, God, for our fathers. Uh, we are just so blessed. There are, there are men in this congregation. I've had conversations with many of them, and they have been examples to me of how to be a good father, and I'm thankful for that, Lord. Um, and I just pray that I can pass on uh, the wealth of information I've, I've gathered and gleaned from them, O oh Lord. Even the way they live their lives and what they say, Lord, and the fact that they love you and they love your word. Oh God, I pray that as we go outside of this place, fathers would be encouraged today from this service. God, and, and I just, I think one word from the sermon that really stood out to me, Lord, is uh, the grave is coming. And uh, Lord, I want to leave a legacy. Um, I want to leave a legacy that outlasts me, Lord. Uh, Lord, please help our fathers live in such a way that we would leave a legacy for you, Christ. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen.